So grab your pen and paper right now as we listen to this week's podcast with Dr. Benji Kelly. How are we today, church? You guys doing okay? On this incredibly rainy weekend, how many of you are just tired of the rain? I think if you look in the dictionary at the word slop, you'd probably see a picture of my family. I mean, just like, I mean, all we've been doing is like sitting home, and I'm so glad to be out of the house and with you, and uh, we're so glad you are here today. Everybody doing good? We are in the series titled The What? Blessed Life, and this is the final Sunday of The Blessed Life, part three. I kicked this off three weeks ago. Last week, Pastor Robert Morris brought the first installment of his two messages, and today he's bringing it again. If you're new here today, you need to know we're in a series, and Pastor Robert Morris from Gateway Church out in Texas is preaching for us, and there's this incredible thing going on now in the church in the 21st century. It's called technology. And technology is a beautiful thing because a man or a woman can preach a message up in front of a camera instead of jumping on a plane and traveling across the country. And we love redeeming technology at this church. Amen. In fact, more than half of the people in the New Hope movement now every single Sunday watch the message on video. You don't, but other campuses do. Um, Hey, just by way of review, I don't know if you can even remember back to last week, but... He preached the first message, and it was the principle of the, you guys are amazing, principle of the first. And he had three key points. The firstborn must be sacrificed and redeemed, remember, from Ezekiel. Second, the first fruits must be offered. Do we take them? Do we give them? No, they don't belong to us. What? We bring them. Wow, you guys really did pay attention. The third thing is the tithe must be first. This is a series on stewardship, and it is one of the best I have ever, ever heard. One final time, if you haven't picked up his book, go to the Resource Center and pick up the book today. We have a few copies left. You don't want to miss this incredible opportunity. You guys ready to go get this? You guys ready to go get this? All right, here we go. I want to say hello to all the New Hope campuses. I'm so glad you're going through the Blessed Life series. It's amazing what God did in my heart years ago when he took a selfish heart and changed it to being a generous heart. He changed every area of my life, my marriage, my family, my health, my finances. And that's really why I call it the Blessed Life, not the Blessed Wallet, because it's not just about your finances. Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And when God can do a work in our treasure, he can do a work in our hearts. So I want you to grab your notes and your pen and and get ready in your Bible and get ready to receive God's word because God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's great to be back with you. Uh, I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Uh, that's the only passage we'll turn to, uh, Luke chapter 9. And last week, I shared with you a message called the principle of first. This week, I want to share a message called the principle of multiplication. The principle of multiplication. If you remember, I told you that I'm kind of a, a math guy. 
And uh, so we're talking about our heart, but we're also talking about finances. So let me just ask you a question. In your finances, uh, have you ever seen addition? You ever seen it be added to? Okay. Have you ever seen subtraction <laughs> or division? Okay. So anyway, would it be okay with you if you saw multiplication? Well, God is a God of multiplication. So we're going to take a story that's very familiar and bring it up to, uh, well, actually kind of take us back and see maybe how we would have responded had we been there that day. So Luke chapter 9, it's a story of the uh, multiplication of the fish and the loaves, all right? Look at verse 12. It says, when the day began to wear away, the 12 came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Now, I just want you to notice one thing before we go on. Many, many people missed that last word in that verse. There were about 5,000 men. I hear a lot, they talk about the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000. But in Jewish culture at that time, the way they counted a crowd was they only counted the men. They counted the families. So when we say the feeding of 5,000, it's 5,000 families. As a matter of fact, let me just back it up. Stay in Luke 9, but let me just show you how Matthew says it. Matthew 14, 21 says, Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So, so this miracle, when you think about the average number of children that a family had at that time, minimum would have been fifteen to 20,000, probably twenty or 25,000 people were there. Most theologians believe this is the largest crowd Jesus ever spoke with, much larger than Sermon on the Mount. I'm not trying to compare whether the importance of it, obviously. Sermon on the Mount is the sermon we have recorded in Scripture, and it's, it's amazing. But this was probably the largest crowd that Jesus ever spoke with, all right? So let's keep going. Verse 14 again. There are about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, make them disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. Just want you to know, Jesus is a, a numbers guy too. All right. <clears throat> and they did so and made them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them now again numbers jump out at me and so when i see 12 baskets were you know left over I, you know i think well why do you do that now so i'm just going to tell you this is just my personal opinion i think that jesus wanted each disciple to have a doggy bag it's just, it's just my personal opinion all right uh, here's what i like to do as i said a moment ago I, I like to put myself in the story i don't know if you've ever done this with a bible story but it's it's really fun Put yourself in the story and imagine how you would have responded had you been there that day. And so I want you to think about this. You're, you're on the Messiah search committee, and you've got a great candidate. Uh, he's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's walking on water, which was not a messianic prophecy, but it's, it's like a bonus. You know, Jesus <laughs> threw in there. So, uh, and, and so then you have uh, this um, uh, high attendance weekend. And you send out a mass email, and you tweet about it and all, you know, and you have the largest crowd you've ever had, all right? And so uh, worship starts, let's say it was on a Sunday morning, worship starts at 10 or 10.30, you know, and, and then you, after worship, you have a few video announcements, you know, and then, and then uh, the guest Messiah gets up to speak. And uh, at 12 noon, he's still going. 
One o'clock, he's still going. Two o'clock. I mean, you've already missed the first game. <laughs> Three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock. I'm not exaggerating. Look, look again at verse 12. It says, when the day began to wear away. You know what that means in the Greek? In the Greek, that means when the day began to wear away. <laughs> Luke's a physician. It's amazing how he said this. When the day began to wear away. Okay, so here's what I think happened. I think the disciples formed a little committee. I think they kind of got together, you know, over here, and they said, man, what are we going to do? I mean, this guy's good, but no one's this good. I mean, it's going on and on and on. And, and, and I'll tell you what, if I don't eat soon, I'm going to die. I'm going to die right here. I'm going to starve to death right here in front of every one of you. And I think one of them said, that's it. And they said, what's it? They said, let's tell Jesus that the people are getting hungry. He seems to care a lot about the people. <laughs> he doesn't seem to care much about us, but he seems to care a lot about the people. And so now imagine that you are elected the spokesperson, okay? So I want you to see this in your mind. Great big crowd. Jesus is there, and you walk up to him while he's speaking. This is the inference from Scripture, that they interrupted him while he was teaching, okay? And so you walk up to him, and you say, uh, Lord, Lord, excuse me, excuse me. Um, well, this has been good today. I'll tell you, this, is, this has really been good. This uh, series of messages you're bringing all in one day. Um, but um, uh, we, we, we feel like that, that the people are getting hungry. Now, we could go all night. I was just telling John, I could go all night. I'll tell you, this is just... Uh, but... Um, we, we feel like the people are getting hungry, and, and it's, it's getting late, Lord, and uh, the restaurants uh, are closing. And um, so we feel like that you should um, just wrap it up. <laughs> and the Lord said, you're, you're concerned about the people. Yes, Lord, it's all about the people. And so then he says something. Look, maybe you've never seen this, verse 13. But he said to them, then you give them something to eat. Excuse me? <laughs> Yeah, you and your little group over there, you're concerned about the people. Why don't you give them something to eat? Okay? It, it didn't go like you planned, did it? And now the hard part is you've got to report back to the committee. So you go back over and they say, well, did you tell them the people were hungry? I did. I, I said that. I said those very words. I said the people are hungry. Well, is he going to dismiss the service? Well, what did he say? He said for us to give them something to eat. What? He said for us to give them something to eat. What? 20,000 people here. And then there's some little kid that snuck back into town and is walking by with a Long John Silver sack. <laughs> and, you know, they just kind of grab the sack. They open it up. He got the two-piece meal with extra rolls. <laughs> and, of course, P Peter, you know, probably just kind of grabs one. They said, stop it, Peter, stop it. That's all we have. And one of them said, that's it. What's it? Let's tell Jesus. This is all we have, and he'll dismiss the service. Okay, now, if you'd never read this story in the Bible, does that not make sense to you? If you had been a disciple that day, and you said we have two fish and five rolls for 20,000 people, wouldn't you think he'd say, okay, we better go to a restaurant, okay, right? Okay, so again, you're the spokesperson. Lord, excuse me, excuse me, just one more, one more. Excuse me, you know, uh, a moment ago we were talking, we were talking about how good this uh, T 
teaching us. And um, um, you said, you know, for, uh, uh, you know, us to, uh, you know, uh, give them something to eat. And uh, we've been working on that. And um, uh, all we have, Lord, is uh, uh, two fish and um, almost five rolls. Peter ate some. And, um, <laughs> but... Um, uh, but that's that's all we have, and so we feel like that um, you know we should just go with our original idea and um, just wrap it up. <laughs> and the Lord said, "Okay, you you have two fish and almost five rolls. I, I know how Peter is, um, right? Is that yes, Lord? That's that's all we have. Yep, that'd be great. Have them sit down in groups of fifty. Excuse me. <laughs> um, uh, we we don't have a lot of these snack packs, Lord. Uh, we." <laughs> There, there was a kid. Peter took it from him. I didn't take it from him, Lord. Yeah, that's, that's great. Have, have them sit down in groups of 50. Now, have you ever thought about this? Getting people to sit down in, in groups of 50, 20,000 people. Now, I, I, I don't know about you, but ha, have you ever worked with people? I mean, people are hard to work with, aren't they? Okay, so they get them all set down. Okay, here's, again, this is just my holy imagination, okay? I think that the disciples think they figured it out. I, I think one of them might have said, hey, hey, I, I was, when we were, we were getting them set down, I re, you remember the story where Elisha fed 100 men with 12 loaves of bread? Yeah. Well, well, we have someone greater than Elisha. I'll bet that when he prays over it, it's going to multiply right in front of our eyes. And many people think that's what happened. That's not what happened, though. But I think when they said that, Peter, you know, I know I pick on Peter a lot. I know that. I know. I, I just, I kind of relate to Peter. Peter always seemed to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus is there. Moses and Elijah show up. And Peter says, it's a good thing I'm here. It didn't matter that Peter was there. <laughs> and the Bible says... While he was still speaking, a voice from him, you know you're talking too much when the Father has to interrupt you. And what's amazing is you go over to Acts 10, while he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell. It's like the Holy Spirit's up there. Okay, Pete, okay, wrap it up, wrap it up. Okay, I got to go, you know. I just couldn't wait. Okay, so, so I relate to Peter a lot. I know when I get to heaven, he's going to say to me, why did you talk about me that way in the sermon? Okay, so, so Peter probably grabbed a roll, you know, and just went over and said, here, here, Lord, here, here, pray over mine first, here, pray over mine first, pray over mine, here, pray over mine first, Lord. Okay, I have to tell you one more thing about Peter I just thought of. It's just, um, do you remember when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? You remember? Some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say one of the prophets. Okay, who do you say I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Here's what I think he was saying. This is a miracle. It's <laughs> <laughs> a miracle that you got this right. Okay, okay. So, right. so anyway, I'm sorry. So Peter probably says, here, here, Lord, here, pray over mine. Here, pray over mine. Pray. Watch, John, just watch, watch what happens when he prays over it. Okay. Watch, though. Look at, look at verse 16. He blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. <laughs> so here's what actually happens. He takes this roll from Peter, he lifts it up, and he says, Father, bless it, breaks it, and gives half of it back to Peter. Uh, are you through praying? 
Yes, Peter, go give it out. You want to pray some more? <laughs> no, Peter. Now hear this. It's blessed. Now go give it away. Watch what happens when you give away what's blessed. Watch what happens. Personally, I think Peter went up to the first person and said something like this. Take just a little piece. <laughs> what, what, what would you have said? <laughs> take a little piece. Take a little piece. Take a little, I said little piece, you pig. What is wrong with you? Take a little piece. He gets down to the end of the row, and there's a crumb left in his hand. Sweat pouring down his brow. The guy reaches to grab it, and it grows in Peter's hands. And he says, hey, you can have some more. Okay. <laughs> Listen, the miracle did not happen in the master's hands. It happened in the disciples' hands when they obeyed the master. So there are two principles of multiplication from this passage. They're real simple. Uh, number one, it has to be blessed before it can multiply. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. Now, I want you to think about this. I know you may be writing that down, but, but listen while you're writing, all right? Think about this. What if they had passed the fish and the loaves out before Jesus prayed over it? Would it have ever multiplied? No. Because it's the blessing of Jesus that gives it the power and the potential to multiply. Okay, listen to me. The Bible says, this is New Testament, by the way, that when we tithe, Jesus himself receives our tithes and blesses them. Jesus himself. When we bring the first part, like we talked about last week, when we give the first to God, the rest is blessed. But it can't multiply without the blessing of Jesus. I know people that give a little here and give a little there. Listen, their finances will never multiply because they're not blessed by Jesus. And we get that blessing by tithing to our local church. So number one, it has to be blessed before it can multiply. Number two, it has to be given away before it can multiply. That we, we, it's, it's simple right here in the story. It has to be given away before it can multiply. All right, think again about this. What if after Jesus had blessed it, what if they'd eaten it? Never would have multiplied. They had to give it away. Again, there are people who tithe, but they don't give over and above the tithe. Here's the sad part. Their finances have the potential to multiply, but they never multiply because they don't give it away. Above, over and above, over and above the tithe. Okay, let me tell you how God did this in, in my life and in Debbie's life. Um, we were married when I got saved. I got saved in a motel room. I'm sorry, okay? I was not in church when I got saved. Uh, you're not going to die in a funeral home. It's convenient, but it probably won't happen. But <laughs> I wasn't in church, I'm sorry. But you can't get saved in church. But I was in a motel room called Jake's Motel, room 12. Okay. Uh, Jake's um, has no stars. <laughs> Just so you know. But they did provide pets. Okay, so anyway, all right. So I get saved, and Debbie and I are already married, go to church, and uh, a few months later, and the pastor, I go start going to church, but a few months later, the pastor preaches on tithing. Okay, I wasn't smart enough to argue with the Bible. By the way, that's a good place to be. He said, you have 10%. Debbie and I were making $600 a month 
when I got saved. Combined income. Just, just to be honest, uh, she made 400 I made 200 <laughs> The reason I tell you that is because I want you to know, you are looking at a man that on his own has the ability to make $200 a month. <laughs> so we make 600 a month, so I give $60 that day. My boss calls me in the next day and says, I'm giving you a raise, 200 a month. He doubled my salary in one day. And I'll never forget what he said. He looks at me right in the eyes and he says, and I have no idea why I am doing this. <laughs> it was God saying to me, do it my way. Watch what happens when you do it my way. Okay, so then I go to Bible college. Uh, then I start traveling and preaching youth revivals and things like that. And then one day the Lord says this to me. In my quiet time, he says, I want you to get your finances in order so I can bless them. Now, that's extremely important. I told you last week there are some things God can't do. God can't bless something that's out of order with his word. He can't bless it. So he said, I want you to get your finances in order so I can bless them. I said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, number one, get out of debt. I want you to get out of debt. It took us several years. He said, I want you to get out of debt. So we started getting out of debt. Uh, the first thing we did was we sold a car that we had a big payment on. We shouldn't have had it. And we bought a car for cash, $750. That's all we could afford. But we loved that car. We really did because we were getting in God's will. We prayed over that car. Uh, we anointed it with oil about a quarter a week <laughs> when we drove that car. The second thing the Lord told me was don't manipulate. Number one, get out of debt. Number two, don't manipulate. I, I, now, I was in the ministry at this time, traveling preacher rivals. Lots of ministers manipulate. Lots of people manipulate. They drop hints. How do you know if you drop a hint whether there's ever God that met your need or not? So for me, I said, well, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? He said, uh, at that time, pastors would call and say, can you come speak? And I was doing youth meetings mainly. And, and they would say, what are your financial requirements for coming? And I would say, pay our expenses and give us an offering. And that was standard. That was just normal. Uh, I had some friends that would say, pay our expenses and give us an offering, and it has to be a minimum of. I never even said that. I just said the normal thing that I'd been taught, pay our expenses and give us an offering. So the Lord said to me, from now on, when they say, what are your financial requirements for coming? You say, I have no financial requirements for coming. I said, okay. So this pastor called and said, Hey, uh, can you come? And I said, yeah, we worked out a date. And then he said, what are your financial requirements for coming? I said, I have no financial requirements for coming. He said, um, what, what, what do you mean you, you have no financial requirements for coming? What do you mean? I said, I mean, I have no financial requirements for coming. He said, what, what, what do you mean you have? No, no, no minister had ever told him that before. I said, I have no, and then it's like he kind of got mad at me. He said, how are you going to live? Just like that. He's an older man speaking to a younger man. You know, he said, how are you going to live? He said, if you come here and preach and we don't give you an offering, how are you going to live? And I said something, and it, it came out wrong. Is that, you, ever, you ever done that? You know, I, I really meant it right, but I said to him, I said, listen, if I come preach at your church and you don't give me an offering, I said, God will take care of me and God will take care of you. He said, well, we'll give you an offering. I said, no, I didn't, I didn't mean that. And I really didn't mean that. I, I meant God will provide for me and God will provide for you, you know. The, another pastor called and said, can you come? I said, no financial requirements are coming. I'll never forget. He said, that's good because I'm not sure we could even pay your gas. And he didn't say pay your expenses. He said pay your gas. And the reason I remember that is because we got in the car. We lived in Texas. We drove to Oklahoma. 
on our way, we stopped to get gas, and I walked in to pay for it, and the lady said to me, it's taken care of. I said, why is it taken care of? She said, because when you pulled in, God told me I was to fill your car up with gas. And I went out, and I said, God, I sure like doing it better your way than my way. So the third thing then the Lord said to me was give. He said, get out of debt, don't manipulate, and give. And I'll I'll never forget what I said. I said, Lord, um, I do give. I tithe. And it's like the Lord went. (laughs) He said, son, uh, uh, tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning. It's returning. Giving is when you give over and above, not when you return to me what's already mine. As a matter of fact, uh, this may shock you, but the parable of the talents, remember what he said to the unfaithful servant? You gave to me what was already mine. God doesn't see giving until we give over and above what's already his. So I said, well, Lord, how will I know what to give, where to give, and when to give? Those are great questions, right? Listen to what he said. I'll tell you. My sheep hear my voice. He said, I'll tell you. I'll tell you when to give. I'll tell you where to give, and I'll tell you what to give. I said, okay. So right after that, I go to speak at a church. I have one meeting that month for the whole month. Normally, I would have two, three, maybe even five or six, you know, if they were one-night things or something or a week revival. I'd have two or three of them or something. But I had one meeting for the whole month. It was a Sunday night service only, not a revival, not a week-long meeting, Sunday night only, and it was at a real small church, had about 60 people. The only meeting I had for the whole month. He said, what are your financial requirements? I said, I have no financial requirements. I went and spoke. He got up afterward and said, he told the whole church, this is what he told me, and no minister has ever said that to me. He said, I want us to give him an offering. And at the end of it, he comes up to me. He has the check, and he said to me, look at this. Look at this. And he's doing like this, and he's excited. He said, we've never given an offering this big. And I looked down, and it was enough for the whole month. You have to know at this time now, this is a few years down the road, I actually have a staff member that takes care of setting things up. I was starting to do some area-wide crusades and things like that. And I had an office, and I had expenses, so it was enough not just for my salary but for everyone's and for the whole month. And I thought, God, you're amazing. Sixty people, enough for the whole month. And I'm standing at the front of the church talking to the pastor, and I glance over his shoulder, and at the back of the building is a missionary that spoke right before I spoke, and this voice said to me, give him the offering. And I remember exactly what I thought. Get behind me, Satan. (laughs) That's not God. That's not God. That's not you, by the way. That's not you. And the Lord said, give him the offering. I, and I, I'm, I'm talking, the pastor's talking to me, and I'm t- telling the Lord, I said, Lord, you're not thinking clearly. <laughs> this is exactly what we need. I said, you got all pumped up by the message tonight. You know, you're not thinking right. And the Lord said, I told you I'd tell you when to give and where to give and how much to give. And I'm telling you to give the whole offering to that missionary right now. So I waited until it cleared out some, and the missionary was still in the back, and someone left, and he and I were the only ones left in the building. And I went up to him, and I endorsed the back of the check, and I folded it in half so he wouldn't see it because it was a very large amount. And I said to him, I'm going to give you this on two conditions. Number one, don't look at it until after you leave. Number two, don't ever tell anyone I did this because I didn't want to manipulate. I said, don't ever tell anyone I did this. So he said thank you and left. He didn't know how much it was or anything. And Debbie and I walked out, and uh, there were some couples there from the church, and one of them said, hey, we're going to go get some pizza. Would you like to go? And I said, yeah, because, you know, we're broke. And so I said, yeah. And so we, we go out, and there were six couples, including Debbie and me. 
And so the six guys sat on this end of the table, and the six ladies sat on that end of the table. Debbie was all the way on the end. I was on this end. And these four guys got to talking, and the guy across from me kind of leans across the table like that, you know. So I lean across the table. I don't know what he's going to say. And he said to me, how much was the offering? And so I told him. And, and it was, uh, it was uh, uh, um, dollars and cents. It was not a, an honorarium. It wasn't a round amount with zeros. It had dollars and cents. I told him exactly how much it was. And then he said to me, where's the check? Like that. And I, I didn't want to say we gave it to a missionary. I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to manipulate. I know you're supposed to tell the truth, but I didn't. And I was also thinking, who is this guy? Why is he asking me these questions? So I just kind of heard myself say, Debbie has it. And he said to me, go get it. I want to see it. So I said, okay. So I got up and I walked down where Debbie was and I kind of leaned out like this. I said, how's your pizza? Is it good? Okay, good. You know, there's nothing else to say. There's no check. So I come back. I know you're supposed to tell the truth again, but I didn't know what to say. I didn't know why this guy was asking me this. I didn't want to say. I gave it away. So I said to him, it's in the car. And he said, it's not in the car. So I said, where is it? I mean, you know, you know so much, pal, you know. And he said to me, you gave it away, didn't you? I said, how do you know that? Did you see me give it away? He said, no. God told me. And he reached in his pocket and he pulled out a check that he had written before he came to church that night. Made out to our ministry. And he opened it up like this and he held it out. And it was exactly ten times the amount of the check I'd just given away. Dollars and cents. Exactly. It was the first person that I've ever met that had the gift of giving. Did you know that giving is a spiritual gift? Seven motivational gifts, 29 total gifts probably, but seven motivational. It's possible one out of seven of you has the gift of giving. And if you get your finances in order so God can bless them, you can give like you want to give. I promise you. So he said, here. And I, he's holding the top of it, and I reached out and took the bottom of it, but he wouldn't let it go. And I realized he wanted to say something to me. Now I know he wanted to impart something to me. So I'm holding the bottom of it. He's holding the top of this check. I look across the top of that check right into his eyes, and he said, God's about to teach you about giving so you can teach the body of Christ. And he let the check go. And when I got that check, this feeling came over me. This is God's money. This is not my money. This is God's money. So I said, God, what do you want us to do with this? First thing we did was we actually bought a single mama car. We still had the $750 car. We bought a single mama car. And then we paid a guy's salary who was out of work until he got another job. Then we went to, we had a missionary. He wanted to need a new van. We bought him a new van, $12,000. We started giving thousands of dollars away, and thousands of dollars started coming in. People would walk up to me, put checks in my pocket for thousands of dollars, and look me right by and say, God's teaching you about giving. We never sent a mailing list. I never told one of these giving testimonies from the pulpit. Never, ever one time did we ask for money. But the more we gave, the more God kept giving to us. It was absolutely amazing. And then one day, several years later now, well, by the way, we got to the place, by God's grace, we were given 70% of our income away. I'm sitting in a chair having a quiet time. And the Lord said to me, 
would you give everything to me? This is a few years later. We've gotten out of debt. We now have two very nice cars. We have a nice home. We have money in the bank. He said, would you give me everything? I said, Lord, I'd love to give you everything. Now, let me say something. I don't recommend that you give everything. I, I don't. I recommend you give everything God asks you. I think if God asks you, then you do it. But, and I think he specifically asked me. I said, Lord, I'd love to give you everything. Debbie and I sat down and decided where we were going to give everything, the cars, all of our... I knew when the Lord asked me for everything, I went, again, I'm a numbers guy. It went through my mind. Everything in the checking account, everything in the personal checking, everything in the personal savings, everything in the ministry checking account, everything in the ministry savings, all of our retirement, two cars, and our house. And we sat down and prayed about where to give all the money and, and the cars, and we gave our house to a pastor that had five children and didn't have a house. Gave it all away. The next day, I'm sitting in the same chair, and again, because I'm a numbers guy, I'm adding it up. And I had this thought. And the Lord said to me, what are you thinking? I said, nothing. <laughs> because you know, if you have a thought and you don't tell him, he doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, he knows. So he said, what are you thinking? I said, nothing, Lord. He said, no, no, tell me what you're thinking. I said, well, it's not a spiritual thought, Lord. And he said, no, tell me. I said, well... You know, you've heard that saying that you can't outgive God. He said, Yeah, I've heard that. I said, Well, I think I did. <laughs> I said, You know, I don't feel bad about it, you know, but I said, I said, This time, I don't know why I said this. I said, This time, I think I've got you. Just like that. And the Lord said, You think you've got me? Like that. And when he said that, the phone rang. I picked up the phone. This guy said, Robert, God told me to help you with your transportation. And I, here's what I thought. I thought, he's going to give us a car. You know, he's going to give us a car. But even if he gives us a car, I just gave two away and house and everything. And at that time, I'd given nine away. I have no clue now, by God's grace, how many Debbie and I have been able to give away. By the way, our church gave away 104 last year cars to people that needed cars. 104. So it's contagious when you walk in this. And so I thought, well, Lord, even if he gives us a car, you know, I still got you. I said, well, what did the Lord tell you to do? He said, he told me to buy you an airplane. And he told me to pay for the hangar, the maintenance, the fuel, the insurance, and I've hired a pilot, and I'm going to pay his salary, and here's his name and number, and you just call him and tell him where you want to go and when you want to go. And the Lord said, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Now, listen to me. This is not a, a message, give, and you get an airplane, okay? Listen to me. We gave the plane away. We gave that away, too. And we've given everything three times. But the airplane's not the best part of this testimony. The next day I'm sitting in the same chair and I'm reading about Solomon. Most famous story in the Bible about Solomon. Remember what God said to him? Ask anything you want. I'll give it to you. And it says at night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and said, Ask anything you want. And I remember thinking, what happened that day? What happened that day? I went back and read it. What happened that day was Solomon was inaugurated the king of Israel. Do you know what happened that day? It was tradition for the king to sacrifice one bull. Do you know how many Solomon sacrificed? One thousand bulls. And I thought, what an extravagant gift. Here's what the Lord said to me. I only say to extravagant givers, ask anything you want. 
He said, I will never say that to a selfish person because I can't trust selfish people. But I can trust givers. Now, I'm not even thinking. We just gave everything away. I'm just reading my Bible. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said to me, Ask. Ask anything you want. And I knew immediately what I wanted. Because as I told you, Debbie and I were married before I got saved. I had believed that when she found out her marriage would end. And I said, God, I want for Debbie and I to be passionately in love all the days of our life. And this year we celebrate 34 years of marriage. That's better than an airplane. It's better than an airplane. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. May God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.